0: Good evening and welcome to First Say Chats by Dr. G. I'm Dr. Adana Grandison, a physician in Barbados and your hostess for this evening. First Say Chats by Dr. G is a live podcast that provides listeners with a unique opportunity to not only hear complicated medical conditions explained, but also clarify any misunderstandings you may have about that condition. After all, A medically aware and educated patient is an empowered patient. And this evening, our episode is entitled, The Golden Years, Managing Dementia. And our speaker, our guest this evening, is Dr. Ambrose Ramsey. Dr. Ramsey is a fully registered medical practitioner in Barbados, and he specializes in internal medicine and geriatric medicine. He is a medical graduate of the University of the West Indies Cave Hill Campus, a fellow of the American College of Physicians, and a member of the American Geriatrics Society. Dr. Ramsey is a consultant geriatrician and is based at the Geriatric Hospital on Beckles Road in St. Michael, and he also has a private practice here on the island in Wilde, St. Michael. His affiliations are as an associate lecturer in the geriatric medicine uh, specialty with the faculty of medical sciences at Kayfield campus, and also serves as a consultant to the Barbados Alzheimer's Association. Good evening and welcome Dr. Ramsey.
1: Good evening, Dr. G. Good
0: evening, listeners. Hi, Dr. Ramsey. So this evening, we're talking about the golden years. And our focus is going to be on dementia. But this evening, before we started talking about dementia, I think we need to take a step back and really differentiate and lend some clarity between delirium and dementia. Can you first do that by just giving us a bit of clarity about the two terms, and how sometimes we can interchangeably and mistakenly use those terms?
1: Yeah, sure, Dr. G. Right, now, dementia and delirium are both described as confusional states. It's a situation where, since we're talking about older persons, And the individual acts strange and they will behave so they become confused. Now, delirium is a reversible type of confusion. It's normally caused by an underlying illness. Let's say something as simple as a urinary tract infection, um, uh, something like pneumonia, and um, if the person is diabetic and the blood sugar is well to control, there are many on um, the line conditions that can cause someone to be confused and become delirious. Now, dementia, on the other hand, is a type of confusion that doesn't go away, it doesn't get better, it gets worse as time goes on. So the person becomes confused, they may be mildly confused. Um, they may become disoriented from time to time. And then later on, it progresses to a point where they become very forgetful and and on and on.
0: Great. I like the fact that you made that very clear distinction. And I think it is now quite important that we we continue to go on um, about dementia. You said it is essentially a deterioration in memory and other cognitive ability and this uh, deterioration can essentially affect activities of daily living, and it's not reversible. Um, Can you tell me approximately, when should we start to expect to see a person developing signs and symptoms associated with dementia?
1: I would say the biggest risk factor is age. So most, Commonly in persons who are over age 60, some, um, you know, literature would report 60. Most common, however, over age 65, even though it can occur earlier. So um, usually once you get above the age of 65, then you will start to look. And, you know, I'm not saying that you look at everyone who's over 65 and think they're demented. Uh, quite the contrary, um, you know, that's far from the truth. The majority of persons who um, yeah. suffer from dementia tend to be more in the advanced age group, over 80 into the 90s, etc. cetera. The risk um, becomes greater as you become older. So age is, I would say, the biggest risk factor. Now, you would become suspicious Um, If the individual starts to show uh, some of the, what are described as warning signs um, of dementia. So age plus certain signs will help to trigger uh, the suspicion.
0: Okay. And can you tell us what are some of those signs or symptoms that we should be looking for? Or that caretakers or other family members really should be looking for?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. again um okay the the 10 warning signs as as listed by the alzheimer's association would include memory loss so the individual becomes forgetful and because of the forgetfulness the individual may repeat themselves so they may say the same ask the same question over and over or they may make this. They may make a statement, you know, numerous times in a day, or maybe uh, it could be a bit more subtle in that they may repeat the same statement over a period of, let's say, weeks. Within the same week, they may make the same statement. Now, the average person would remember that they would have discussed a particular, um, you know, event or activity, but because of the lack of memory, the person um, will repeat um, the reporting on the event or repeat the question. Now, another... Yes, you wanted to...
0: No, 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 go ahead. Right, so
1: there's also uh, difficulty performing familiar tasks. So uh, simple, simple things like, let's say, making a cup of tea or chocolate or coffee, may become difficult. Uh, the person may, um, let's say, go into the kitchen and all of a sudden they, they're, they're not sure. They may take the cup and then they may not be sure what to do with it. Lose, they may lose the, um, you know, the, the, the they forget the steps involved in preparing that cup of coffee. Um, problems with language. So the individual um, may start using Inappropriate words uh, within a sentence, or they may, um, well, they may start to use words that they're not accustomed to using. Uh, There are many cases where people who would have never, you know, used a a curse word in Asian terms or foul language or an expletive in their life, and then you know, they may start using them more often. Another sign disorientation, getting lost. Okay, disorientation to time and place. You know, losing track of the time of day. They may think that six a.m. in the morning is six p.m., or you know, it may be a more stark contrast. We're in the middle of the day. They may think that you know it's nighttime. And um, disorientation to place. Uh, the person may be, you know, in a place that would normally be familiar to them and all of a sudden not know where they are. Not all of a sudden, and uh, that's another thing, but they may be in an, a, a location where um, they're accustomed going, etc. and now they cannot find their way around um, that location. Judgment, poor or impaired judgment. Um, you know, Risk, which would then involve maybe risky behavior. For example, uh, the person may decide to go for a walk at 2 a.m. and um, in their night clothes, okay? Cool. Then you can have, or they may decide to cross the road without regard uh, for the traffic. Okay, another example that you can have includes um, problems with abstract thinking which would involve planning, let's say, um, balancing the checkbook, and, um, you know, maybe preparing a list of grocery lists to go shopping, etc. Then, um, as a direct, again, effect of the memory loss, the individual misplaces things. uh, So they will, quite often, a common one is they would hide the money, hide their money in a place where they wouldn't normally keep the money and then accuse other persons of stealing it okay um, you can oh. have changes in mood or behavior and behavior uh, and you can have changes in personality so you can have somebody who was quite friendly and and, and, and jovial becoming withdrawn and you know not interacting anymore you can have the opposite. As well occurring, and then of course you can also have loss of initiative. So that is the ability to initiate, to start, you know, to get things done. So the individual may right. sit, you know, as if they're lost all day. So those are ten um, warning signs as um, described by the um, promoted by the Alzheimer's Association to help um, you know the public out there. Uh, to be able to identify or raise the red flags um, to try, so that we can try to um, diagnose this this illness earlier.
0: Right now, you you actually uh, highlighted one of the signs or red flags that you should look out for as losing or misplacing things. Now, even myself, from time to time, you may what be same. Bajan vernacular, you may put it up so good, you can't even find it. Is there a difference between normal aging and dementia? Oh yeah,
1: um, right. Normally, what you would have described- Because, um, right. because I think
0: everybody describe? now might be saying, everybody might <laughs> be thinking now, oh there, I may, I may have dementia. So let's make, give some clarification. <laughs> <laughs> let's give some clarification on difference between normal aging and dementia.
1: All right, so, so norm, when, when the, the normal age, and as you get older, and um, it's quite natural to find it more difficult to learn new things, it doesn't mean you can't learn. It just takes a little bit longer uh, to learn new things. Um, the, you may find it, um, dif- forget, you become, well, you forget, okay? It's difficult to learn new things and you become more forgetful. In that, um, you know, you may a common one is putting the key, misplacing the keys, and that quite happens when you you may you may walk into the house and you drop the keys someplace where you wouldn't normally put them. You might you may come into the house with something on your mind, and you just leave the keys and you go straight to it, and then you realize, hey, what did I do with my keys? They're not where I normally put them. Now, someone with uh, dementia will. Well, they may not even realize that the keys are missing, or not seeing the keys where they normally should be will immediately assume that somebody took them, okay? And they may they may go about uh, calling the locksmith to change all the locks and get a whole new set of keys because they have no, as far as they're concerned, the keys were taken. Now... The the person who um, you know in a situation where it's just simple memory loss, you know the like Doctor G, you would think, now, what did I do? I came into, the, I had those, I had to use those keys to get in the door. Uh, when I came in, I went this place, and you start backtracking, and eventually you'll find them. Right. Okay, so I would say that's the the, the major difference there.
0: Okay,
1: the ability and, to. Plan to think you know solve the problem the keys are missing you know you think you can you remember what you would have done when you last had the keys and in your mind you think well you know what they have to be somewhere where I would have where I would have you know where I would have traveled and right. those are the places you start looking
0: okay we have a caller. Here I am just going to put them on to live now. Good evening caller, you're live.
2: Good evening, doctor.
1: Good evening, sir.
2: Yes, um I I I want to um here's a question. Caller, can you similar- please turn
0: down? Can you please turn down your background cuz we're not hearing you very clearly.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. My question is is along the same line. What about circumstances where you leave your bedroom on your way to your kitchen for something and you get to the kitchen and you forget what that thing is? How should that be viewed?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, that is very common and... um happens to young people too, it happens to me sometimes, and I hope, I don't, I don't think I'm on the way uh, as yet, but um, quite often in, with busy lifestyles things like that happen um, if most persons who if you leave the bedroom and you say to yourself I'm going to the kitchen to get a cup of tea or coffee or whatever and that's the only thing on your mind Chances are you're going to go you're going to get your cup of coffee or tea and come back. Gosh, I had a terrible day at work today. Um, I hate my boss. Um, I didn't get to do the things that I wanted to do today. I'm here. Um, I came home and, you know, the dinner isn't ready. You know, if you have other things on your mind, it will tend to distract you and break your train of thought. But, you know, what happens is quite often when you stay and you think, when you stand up and you think, no, why did I come here? And as I described earlier, most people will go back to the point where they were in the bedroom, okay, was in the bedroom doing this, and they decided to come and get, oh, yes, I was going to get a cup of coffee. Maybe not a very good example, because if you're going to get a cup of coffee or tea, there's going to be some other... um you know, signals coming from the body, you might be hungry. You know, you may have the taste, have that, um, developing that taste for the, for the coffee, and chances are you're not going to forget it. So I, I, I hope I've answered your question.
2: I
0: think you did. Um, I have another question here from one of our members who are actually messaging in. And Zilly asks, can it be hereditary?
1: Can dementia be hereditary? Um, Absolutely. There are well, as it relates to well, if I come back to dementia a little bit, a little bit about uh, there are different types. Okay. Cool. Uh, dementia um, is a, like an umbrella umbrella term, describing um, a number of different uh, illnesses that also cause dementia. So it's a syndrome. A constellation of symptoms and signs which I would have uh, described earlier, but there are different um, diseases that can cause it. And Alzheimer's mm-hmm. is. It- yes, hello, you're still with me? Okay, good. Now, um, There are certain types of Alzheimer's, of of Alzheimer's dementia that are um, hereditary. Even within Alzheimer's, there are different uh, subsets. And, you know, there's a lot of research going on now. And there are certain types that have been identified that are early onset that are hereditary. So the early onset type Alzheimer's.
0: Ramsey,
1: are you
0: hearing us? Hello. Yes, hello. Hi, hello. Dr. Ramsey. I think yes, we I'm lost, here. I lost think, me. I think we lost you a bit. Um, you were talking okay. about the different types of dementia, and then you went on to speak about the that some of the types of Alzheimer's d- type dementia can be hereditary. Yes, that's
1: all you heard. Okay. Yes, so- I I'm sorry about that. I don't know what It's happened. okay. <laughs> yes. But, um, right, there are some types of Alzheimer's that um, are early onset, which means they started off, um, like, on the age 60. And there are certain um, types where you will have all the siblings, you know, developing the illness, and it would have also been present in maybe one or both of the parents and so these are the types that are predatory, which means they're passed on. But the majority of Alzheimer's types of Alzheimer's occur in the over age 65 group. And, and they're not, let's say, hered, they don't have that strong heredity. Um, right. However, people who have um, Alzheimer's in their family. Are at a greater risk um, of developing Alzheimer's, and um, it's thought this is where the the, the lifestyle risk factors um, play an important part. So, the persons who live, a, let's see if you have, and there there are some twin studies that have been done, and uh, what has come out was that the the, the twin what the 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 twin the part of the twin that for one of the better, of the better word, the part of the twin that lived the healthy lifestyle was, even though they still had, um, let's say, uh, Alzheimer's onset, they were able to delay that onset by a significant amount of, of the, in, in some cases, years. Okay. okay, so one twin would have developed the illness, and the other one would have, de- who lived a healthier lifestyle, would have developed the illness later on. So. Right lifestyle interventions can delay uh, the onset and in some cases actually um, stop the onset altogether
0: okay great now for those of us who who actually didn't hear about the different types of dementia i know alzheimer's disease is actually probably the most common type of dementia out there but can you just quickly go through some of the other types
1: yes sure right so there are well, there are a number of other types. And I would say the most common would be Alzheimer's. Right. Okay? The next most common cause, um, I mean, this is, and, and, and in the literature, they will tell you that the next most common cause would be the Lewy body type. and the, okay? um, It's just a type of dementia that where the person develops these symptoms Signs of dementia at about the same time as which they develop uh, signs of Parkinson's disease. Okay, Parkinson's disease is an illness that causes difficulty walking, it causes a uh, tremor, the hands to shake, the head to shake, right. etc. And so that's right. another type, Lewy body dementia. Vascular dementia, right, is very common. Vascular dementia is a type of dementia that occurs because of many strokes, tiny little strokes um, which occur um, in the brain. By a stroke, I mean, uh, most people who are familiar with stroke will think of someone with weakness on one side of the body or inability to move on one side of the body and they may or may not have difficulty speaking they may have slurred speech. Right. Now you can, right, so you can have um, what has been described as mini-strokes, where the damage to the brain is not is at a level which it doesn't cause you to be able to see that the person has damage. In other words, you know they look perfectly normal, they walk, they talk perfectly normal, but the only problem that they're having is they're starting to develop difficulty with their memory and all the other signs that I would have um, described earlier. Now, um, right, so, and another type of, um, so those are, the, those are the, I would say the most common types, right? The Alzheimer's, the vascular type, the Lewy body type, okay? But there are also other um, uh, causes of dementia. And there's one called frontotemporal dementia or PIC, it was called PIC's disease. And this affects mostly the frontal parts of the brain. And tends to have fairly good memory and they may be able to perform, um, you know, re- at a relatively high level of function. They can take care of themselves fairly well, but just that they do really odd, you know, impulsive things. All right. And it's a, a really, um, you know, difficult type of, of dementia to deal with. And that one tends to affect, I would say, a younger. Um, age category. So, usually, uh, young persons, young people with dementia, right? Right. Uh frontotemporal is um, one of the ones that we think of. Right. Yes. Um,
0: and can, can can chronic alcoholism lead to dementia?
1: Yes, certainly. Yes, certainly. Chronic alcohol, there are so many causes, huh? Um, right. Chronic alcohol use and um, repetitive head injury, but you, you hear of the, um, the punch drunk boxer. Um, you talk about alcohol, yeah. which causes, you know, people to get drunk. You can also hear about the punch drunk boxer, you know, during the fight the person starts to, you know, stagger and, you know, because the brain has been damaged, concussion, the brain isn't working properly, and the body they can't function properly. Now, so, over the years, repetitive trauma to the brain like that can eventually develop, can eventually cause dementia. And there was a lot of um, there's right. been a lot of media attention um, in recent years to football players. I think mainly football Absolutely. players in the US. A lot, many of whom are not having headgear. develop, um, yes. That develop dementia type symptoms later on. So, right. Right. so there are a lot of other um, things that can actually cause dementia, but the ones that I mentioned earlier are the chief uh, causes.
0: Okay, great. We have another question no. here um, from Tonya. Um, she says, I was just wondering about menopausal stage Can ladies become a bit forgetful and confused? Or is menopause really related to the dementia or there is no distinction between the two?
1: Um, Menopause, and there are many changes that occur within the the body with menopause and the brain is also affected.
2: Hello.
0: Dr. Ramsey, are you still there? I think we have lost Dr. Ramsey. He's still saying that he's connected. However, I'm actually not hearing him. Can you guys actually hear me at this point in time? okay great okay so we'll just wait a bit for okay we'll just wait a bit for Dr. Ramsey to return to the actual show Um, however we were actually just going over um, the different types of dementia that we have out there so most common cause being Alzheimer's disease then we have Uh, dementia with Lewy body or Lewy body type dementia, which is usually associated with Parkinson's disease. Um, We also have vascular dementia, usually associated around stroke pathology. Um, We spoke very briefly about possible early onset types of dementia, predominantly frontal temporal dementia, as well as dementia associated with alcoholism. Dr. Ramsey, are you back with us?
1: Oh man, I've been here, I've been talking, I don't know what's happening. Maybe, okay, <laughs> I zone out at times. Where, what was the last you heard?
0: So the last thing we heard from you, I, I read the question with regards to menopause and, and you spoke about the changes that not only occur with the body but that can occur with the brain and you were actually going going on to break that down for us.
1: Okay, and then I dropped out.
2: Yes, please. My apology
1: <laughs> again. Right. So, okay. okay, So I've gone on. Let's start again. So, um, right. So the estrogen does have some impact on the brain. And after menopause, um, the, well, okay. Lack of menopause can cause memory loss and. Isn't something that is progressive, meaning that it does not, um, you know, become significantly worse as time goes on, which is a feature of dementia. And then, um, so they, I mean, estrogen is so important that at one point in time it was um, thought to be the chief reason behind why, um, you know, Women develop dementia, and again, it was around the time when the thinking was that dementia was more common in women. However, trials have been done, you know, using hormone replacement to see if it had any significant impact on on dementia, and I and it has not really been significant.
0: Okay. Okay. So I know the um, the person surrounding or the man behind the disease um, was actually Dr. Alzheimer and yes. he actually first described it in a female patient and she presented with a bit of what persons thought was paranoia, progressive sleep and memory disturbances, aggression and confusion and um, Can you tell us why, or maybe you may not be able to answer why, because we can, they have the direct information we don't even probably up to this this date because we're still doing lots and lots of research in the field of of dementia and Alzheimer's specifically. But can you sort of try to explain the linkage between why sometimes we tend to see patients presenting uh, with a psychiatric type presentation where they may... Uh, have yeah. paranoia and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and um, it's thought that many of the symptoms are the, the symptoms that present are quite quite often related to the areas of the brain that's damaged. Okay, remember this uh, this illness is a, a is a disease of the brain. It certain parts of the brain becomes damaged, and um, depending on the depending on the area of the brain that's damaged, then you can have certain behaviors presenting. Uh, the, the frontal lobes, the front part of the brain basically is kind con- is a control center. Uh, you know, it helps us to determine what is appropriate when, um, etc. And hence in the frontotemporal type dementia, that is why people tend to be impulsive and like out of control. They just right. do stuff before, I guess, considering the consequences or being able to consider the consequences. Um, This Similarly, um, depending on the part of the brain that's affected, people can have delusions. They can Mm -hmm. see things that are not there. They can hear conversations that are not actually happening, that are just in their head. Um, They can feel threatened and be afraid of, you know, so whatever's in their head, and hence they, they can become, uh, in their mind, they're becoming, they're defending themselves. You know, you okay. may be approaching them, and, and they may adopt a defensive posture. You decide, no, it's time for you to go and get your bath. They're trying to, you know, they're sharing their palms, you know, leave me alone, and you grab them, and then they start to they kick you or bite you or something, and then things escalate. Right. So, um, what, it, it, whatever, it's hard to, you know, say. Um, the brain is very complex, and the areas are all interlinked, and it's difficult to say why, um, you know. Let's say one person may have visual hallucinations, as opposed to another one who may have auditory hallucinations. As opposed to another person who um, will have this, you know, delusion, of, which is a belief that isn't real,
2: hmm.
1: and all you can do really is try to work with those individuals. If they seem afraid, you don't approach them in a threatening manner. You approach them in a friendly um, kind of an approach, and you're more likely to get through to them and have them uh, comply with what you want them to do. And if you then become, they feel threatened and then you become aggressive or you shout, you know, you're not going to get the response that you would like to get from them. Now, normal, there are people, there are other psychiatric illnesses. It's not really my field, but, you know, there are people who don't have dementia that also uh, causes them to have, you know, delusions Hallucinations, etc. So, absolutely, yeah, it's all in the brain.
0: Okay, now you said that sometimes persons may become aggressive, they may scream out, they may attempt to bite you, kick at you, stuff like that. Um, Resistance to care, Um, can you take us through very, very uh, superficially, um, break it right down into exactly what is happening in the brain with Alzheimer's.
1: Well, um, interesting. It's hard to say. Right. Um, except that um, there's damage. The brain is a very complicated um, device. Well, not a device, it's a very complicated network of of neurons, um, these are little um, parts of the brain that communicate using electricity and chemicals and um, any interruption can have an effect that is you know hard to understand. Um, you know the only person that can, I guess tell what's going on. In the brain, well, what they feel is going on, and what they perceive is that individual. So, it's, it's, it's better to try to work, you know, with them? Um, there, there's no, you know, it. Most people who become uh, aggressive are actually, you know, defense, like defending themselves. They feel threatened,
2: right, and.
1: To explain the the intricacies of why you know it could go back to childhood experiences, it could involve um, real, the, the the relationship that that caregiver had with the patient had with the caregiver. Um, you know, it's it's you, you you there there are many every case right is so individualized. That you have to sit down and, and right you have to sit down and try to find out maybe why what's happening what 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 is the you try to find out what the chief um, concern is with the patient or. What is the what is what is what is it that is making this patient most um, feel more threatened and try to remove right. it from the picture?
2: Right.
0: We have a few questions coming in here. I think after uh, we weren't hearing you and a lot of yeses, I'm going to scroll back up a bit. Um, our first question is: Can wow. smoking tobacco also lead to dementia?
1: I'm sorry. Uh, Say again. I can
0: can yes, can tobacco smoking tobacco can that also lead to dementia?
1: Yes, definitely but um well directly there isn't a direct as far as I'm aware there's a direct um, has a smoking hasn't been directly linked uh, to causing uh, dementia, but you do know we do know that smoking um, has can affect the, the blood vessels and right. um, increase the risk for damage uh, to the blood vessels, which can increase the risk for, of course, um, the stroke, all right, um, blockages, infarcts, strokes, etc. cetera. So from that perspective, I would say smoking um, in itself is a risk factor, but it hasn't been directly um, uh, implicated like let's say hypertension, um, diabetes, um, right? So I saying not. I'm not aware that there's a direct link between smoking and, and Alzheimer's. Okay.
0: We had um, a question that was asked in two parts, but from what I, I gathered, um, there's a question where the person is asking about someone who was on chemotherapy, And then they uh, essentially had a syncopal episode or they blacked out and the medication was adjusted. But after their medication was adjusted, they noticed that the person became forgetful. Um, Can that bad first experience with the chemo, could that cause all of this presentation now where the person appears as if they have signs and symptoms of dementia?
1: Um, I'm not sure of the, the, how, I don't quite understand the uh, direct pathology, um, pathophysiology involved, but yes, I've seen um, cases where people who would have, um, you know, started chemotherapy for various cancers, colon cancer, right. um, prostate cancer, prostate cancer has been, it's one of the ones that you, you'll see in the literature. Um, and then have you know an increased risk for developing dementia, so yes um chemotherapeutic agents can um in themselves increase the risk um the syncopal episode um is also i guess um, may also be a, a risk factor depending on um you know the the cause for this for the single
0: because
1: um, right. if well, I mean it depends on the cause, but I wouldn't say the syncop syncope itself um in this case would have been the the trigger unless the person had um had also been having TIAs, transient ischemic attacks, which are we'll called stroke warnings. Many people who have transient ischemic attacks eventually uh, go on to develop a stroke. And um the stroke would actually be the result of blockage, you know, this, in this case, blockage of a blood vessel going to the brain. Now, um, in that, since we're talking about blood vessels and the brain and diabetes, and, um, you know, there's, there's a, a the, the blood vessels in the brain are prone to leaking and rupture, okay? And um, that, too, um, is a risk factor for uh, brain damage and developing uh, dementia.
0: Okay. So we have a very good question here, and I think a lot of persons actually um, are stumped by this. How does Alzheimer's lead to death?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's if simply, I would say simply put, Alzheimer's, what happens in Alzheimer's is that um, the brain technically is slowly dying. You're losing, um, you know, first you lose your memory, but then you start to lose other functions. You start to lose control of body functions. Um, And, you know, depending on the part of the brain that's damaged and the body also deteriorates, the brain does control the body. And, you know, we tend to think of the brain and how it's sensation and moving different parts of the body. But there are many other intricate, um, you know, neural and chemical pathways that we don't understand. And as the brain atrophies, you know, the organs that it controls, the brain controls everything. The heart, it controls your kidneys, it controls, you know, we don't think of this, but the brain has a connection to all of those organs. And if the stimulus isn't coming from the brain, you know, those organs eventually will start to fail as well. But what happens in, um, so, so uh, most cases, a person who dies uh, with Alzheimer's disease, um, they are quite often very frail, uh, they become bed bound, they need to have to be fed, they need to be turned. They need to be cleaned. Everything has to be done for them. And that also increases the risk for getting things like pneumonia, which is often uh, uh, called contributing, uh, Well, the, you know, the final event in death. Right. Um, they can get infections in the bladder, skin infections. They can get wounds on the skin pressure ulcers, which can become infected. And, you know, any one of these factors can then be the final event. The infection becomes the final event. But what is a major factor here is the fact that the Alzheimer's has been causing uh, the body, the brain to deteriorate and the body to deteriorate over time. Right. Nice. So, yes, um, in some cases, Alzheimer's, you rarely, you rarely see Alzheimer's listed as a cause of death on a death certificate here in Barbados, but uh quite often it is you know the chief contributor uh, uh to that person at that end.
0: right um so essentially there's a progressive loss of function as the disease process uh continues to prevail within the person so you may start off you know have, having the inability to uh cook for yourself or travel alone And then there comes the point where you're unable to even dress yourself or groom yourself. Um, And it may get as severe as the inability to walk or even want to eat. Um, Quite often, we may find that persons have difficulty or have no desire to eat um, as the disease process progresses. we had a caller coming in, calling in. I'm just going to take this question here on the message board before I get that caller to call back in. What is the current theory of what causes Alzheimer's disease?
1: Interesting. Uh, I what I all I can tell you is that um what we understand is what we see when we look at the brain the pathology. And, um, you know, the brain cells have a particular uh, pattern. Right. And that kind of helps with the um, diagnosis. Well, you know, with the diagnosis, let's say confirming the diagnosis.
2: Right.
1: Why those changes occur is still not well understood. Um, However, there's quite a bit of research going on targeting, um, you know, the buildup of that. Those plaques, um, tau, right. right, right, and right, and um, there are drugs that have been targeting this, this, these sites, which have been, you know, clearing the plaque, et cetera. But you know, we really still don't fully understand uh, the disease, and what has come out is that, um, you know, even if uh, we we're speaking more about Alzheimer's here. And what has come out is that even within uh, Alzheimer's itself, there are several uh, subtypes. So it, it, it it's much more complicated than, than you, you know, so complicated that we don't quite understand exactly, you know, why these things happen.
0: Right, because I remember um, initially, well, when I first started doing my research about alzheimer's and reading up about it um we often thought that uh depending upon the extent of beta amyloid plaques that persons had would determine how significant the disease process was and then that completely changed to the of tau tangles that we had so there's still lots of research going on in this space and we're still learning new things every single day about this disease and the only true way to absolutely confirm that a person has Alzheimer's disease is in death, at postmortem, mortem right? Um, so I wanted to switch gears a bit in our last 10 minutes, however, and because I know a lot of persons, uh, especially in the Caribbean, tend to think uh, if they see an elderly person uh, behaving differently, getting aggressive, doing things out of the ordinary, they're very quick to say, oh, that person is wicked, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and they're yes, stressing yes. them out. And and it might not be that they're trying to be wicked or they're trying to stress out the caregivers. Um, so I wanted for us to touch a bit on uh, specifically how caregivers can have a situation where they understand the pathology a little better, which I think we've we've done quite a good um, segment before this piece, um, essentially highlighting what um, caregivers and allowing them to understand the disease process. But I actually want to spend a little time now specifically for the caregivers. But before we jump into that, I have a call on the line. Good evening. You're live on the call.
2: Yes, um, yes good evening. My, my, my call relates um, to caregivers, as you will know. Um, moving into it, the the common thing in our Barbadian society is that when <clears throat> this this disease is progressive but we do not want to put mommy or daddy in a home at what point in time do we make decisions about when we have to uh, move to a different level of care where, where, where the individual is able to get 24-hour care? Well, How should the families start to process those? What should things should drive that kind of decision?
0: Thank you.
1: Well, uh, okay. Right. As it relates to placing someone in a nursing home, uh, or or a, a care facility um it's a it's a a difficult decision to make um, but first you know the the caregivers need to understand um, what they're dealing with they need to understand you know well they need to accept one that this person has um let's say Alzheimer's or any other form of dementia, they would then need to understand that they need to put certain things in place to make sure that that person is safe and that they're well cared for, their, their nutrition is looked after, hygiene, and, and as I said, that they're kept safe. Now, if those things can all be done in the home setting uh, where uh, the patient lives, I mean, there are a number of studies which would um, suggest that that is the best setting for the individual. That's well, for the individual, for the patient. Right. Because it's familiar setting. Um, you know, everything is familiar the sounds, the smells, the everything looks familiar. And those are some of the things that can help to keep the person, the, the patient who's suffering with the illness, you know, calm and, and also help to keep them help to, so that they can have, let's say, the, the best quality of life possible. Now, if the caregivers um, have reached a point now where they cannot do that, um, whether it is that the care, that what the, 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 the pers- what the person needs is now beyond their means, their ability to do it, or their ability to hire someone to do it in the home, well, then that's when you really need to look at um, professional care. Moving the person into a long term care facility where the needs can be met. So it's. Right. Hello? So it's a process. Yes, I'm, I'm right. back. Good. Yeah. I can hear you. Right,
2: good. Yes.
1: So it's a process that, and you know, it's important that this process involves all the persons involved in the care, or as many as possible, all the siblings. Um, the spouse, siblings, you know, everyone involved in making the decision. Otherwise, right. then, otherwise, you can wind up, have situations where there's a lot of uh, contention and, um, and either you wind up with the patient now suffering because, you know, optimal care is not being provided or a, care, well, a caregiver or a number of caregivers then have so much of a burden that they themselves are now putting in are now also at risk where their health is concerned
0: and I'm glad that you actually highlighted that point because um, caring for someone with dementia has been shown to be associated with high level higher levels of stress um, than caring for persons with any other type of chronic illness um, and often caregivers tend to neglect their own health as in, a, in an attempt to try to provide the best care and the safest care for their loved ones. Um, I, I do like the fact that you highlighted the importance of allowing that person to stay within their environment, provided that that is financially feasible, and allow it to be a cumulative uh discussion a group discussion where everyone can participate in terms of including sometimes if the person um is not the 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 cognitive deficit is not too severe including the patient um to make that decision um but what are some tips very quickly that you can give caregivers because uh sometimes with that neglect of caring for oneself uh caregivers can sometimes get very upset um very worked up and it can lead to um persons who have dementia experiencing abuse sometimes that something that we don't often like to speak about but is a reality elderly abuse Um, so can you give us a few tips for caregivers um so that that is not the end point because that's not really what we want
1: all right so the first would be to know the well know the individual I mean, no, yeah. in most cases, the caregiver will know the individual quite well, know the illness. So read as much as you can about dementia, as well as the, uh, you know, strategies to help uh, cope. Um, if there is a support group in Barbados, there's a support group, um, get in contact with a support group. They will help you to, to, to deal with the challenges of, of um, caring for someone with dementia. Again, yourself, now look after yourselves. You need to make sure you get rest, put things in place so that you can rest. Um, if you have medical illnesses, you need not to neglect them because if you do become ill, then you know who's gonna look after your loved one if you become ill? And um, so I would say those are the, the, the main uh, factors. So rest, uh, well, know the illness, know your individual, know the illness. Um, make sure that you pay attention to your own health and make sure you get rest. Okay. And of course, support groups are out there uh, to help you to navigate, um, you know, the illness.
0: Great. Um, very quickly, um, I, I have known of someone who recently actually had a very scary experience where their family member would have walked away, well, they would have lost their family member in terms of the person walking away um, from the care of, some, of, of their loved one. Um, are there any uh, monitoring modalities out there for persons to, to be able to track their loved ones locally on the island? Do we have any such uh, capabilities here on the island?
1: Hello? Yes, um, there are, I do not, okay. yes, yes, you can, you can hear me? Yes, there are a number of um, uh, I can companies hear you now, yeah. now, and yes, right, there are a number of companies. Uh, many of these security uh, firms can offer um, the service, you know, uh, technology has improved, even, you know, tracking devices, yeah. you know, you can use. Um, cell phones you can use watches that are smart watches Um, you you can set up what are called geofences etc which can alert you when the person goes beyond a certain perimeter which you can set up you know just on a map and um, you can do it yourself you can hire uh, security companies to assist you with doing that but the important thing is that the person needs to be wearing uh, the tracking device Okay, so that's one. Uh, that's one strategy. Of course, um, you can make sure that the person has ID on them to identify them with contact information. How to, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a card or, or a bracelet with the contact information for the with their address and a contact number. Okay, um, there are other things that really need to be put in place in Barbados, but that could that can help. Uh, but of course. Uh, you'll probably have to look to, um, I don't know, I, I will just say it can be done.
2: Right. Okay.
1: But okay. it would just need planning and coordination, etc. Coordination. Um, okay.
0: Yes. Great. Um, so we are at the end of our show. I, I mean, this hour went too quickly, um, we. I, I still have some some more questions. Maybe uh, at a later date, uh, Doctor Ramsey, you can come back out and continue our conversation on dementia because there's so much to learn about this this area, um, not just for the sake of the patients, but also for the sake of the caregivers. So, Doctor Ramsey, I just want to say thank you so much for thank coming this evening you. onto our show and. And again, also thanks to our listeners who have participated in both the call-in section and the message board. Once again, I encourage you to follow us on both Podbean and Anchor. And join us next week on First Aid Chats by Dr. G, Closing the Gap. Good evening, everyone. And thank you so much, Dr. Ramsey.
1: Okay, good evening.